On March 6th, the closing price of First Republic Bank shares was $122.07. As of right now, those shares are worth exactly zero. First Republic became the latest bank to be taken into some form of government receivership, insolvent, and out of business, which has left us asking a lot more questions than its failure has provided answers. And ironically enough, just yesterday, which was First Republic's last day of, of independent business, the Federal Reserve issued its preliminary report on the failure of Silicon Valley Bank. And that report tries really hard to make plain that the issue with Silicon Valley Bank was Silicon Valley Bank. Here, let me read you from the beginning. Silicon Valley Bank failed because of a textbook case of mismanagement by the bank. Its senior leadership failed to manage basic interest rate and liquidity risk. Its board of directors failed to oversee senior leadership and hold them accountable. And Federal Reserve supervisors failed to take forceful enough action as detailed in the report. Our banking system is sound and resilient with strong capital and liquidity. And in some respects, SVB was an outlier because of the extent of its highly concentrated business model, interest rate risk, and high level of reliance on uninsured deposits. So SVB was an outlier, so says the Federal Reserve, on the day when a, it was joined by another outlier. Maybe there's more going on to the story. Maybe that explains why shareholders were caught so off guard, why the stock market did not see this coming, because this is not just a case of a single bank with a single bad management or a couple banks with a couple ba bank, bad bank management. Maybe there is an issue beyond basic interest rate management. Maybe there is an issue with systemic liquidity. Now, the Federal Reserve, following up on it in its SVP report, says, well, even if there was, even if there is a substantial liquidity issue, we have got that covered. That's the message that Jay Powell has said. SVB is all about SVB. And even if it's not, then we have a bunch of tools which would which would limit the damage, which would which would make it uh, possible for the, the system to continue operating and the economy to not pay any attention, not to be bothered by this at all. Back to the SVB report. Contagion from the failure of SVB threatened the ability of a broader range of banks to provide financial services and access to credit for individuals, families, and businesses. Fast and forceful action by the Federal Reserve, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, and the Treasury Department helped to contain the damage, but weaknesses in supervision, supervision and regulation must be fixed. Here we are again with the Federal Reserve after another crisis claiming, well, at least it wasn't worse. At the same time, the markets are saying, we expect a whole lot to get worse. We got some data on the commercial banking system for the week of April 19th. We've got to talk about First Republic. Plus, we really got to talk about what these curves are pricing in the context of the inversions, but also low nominal rates. That's where the curve inversions, even though they're at the same proportions as they were in the 70s and 80s, that is a key fundamental difference that is leading us in the direction of interpreting all of these, ba these banking difficulties and liquidity issues in the context of what's really going on fundamentally. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. 
As always, if you are interested, we have Eurodollar University memberships where we go into the background details of the monetary system, what's really going on with banks, what are banks, what is money, and how this system actually works in its modern format. Also have research subscriptions available. A daily briefing I put together in partnership with Stephen Van Meter and Tracy Shukart, marketsinsiderpro.com, where we go over the day's main macro, macroeconomic news, some important curve and market developments. And I also do at Eurodollar University, a daily deep dive where we dive deep into these topics. What's going on in the curve? What's going on in the marketplace? What's going on everywhere? And what that means about how things are going to unfold in the future. All the information available for you at eurodollar.university. As I said, here we are, another bank crisis, and the Federal Reserve saying, well, at least it wasn't worse. And yes, this is not a big deal, just a couple bad banks. Who cares about Bear Stearns? Who cares about SVB or First Republic? We performed really well in limiting the damage and fallout. Oh, there's another one. You see where we're going here? And you see why the markets are priced as they are with inversions at the most that we have seen in 40 years. But unlike the curve inversions of the 1970s and 1980s, yes, those were about nasty recessions that followed after them. So that part's the same. But we have to keep in mind that nominal rates during those inversions and leading up to those recessions were exceptionally high. In other words, the inversions were pointing the market back toward something more normal. Because as double-digit rates in treasury yields, that's not normal. That's an extreme. And so what the market was saying is that, yes, we're going to have a recession that is going to take some of the heat off of inflation and lead the market, or lead the, really the financial system back toward normal. From way up here with inflation, because high rates are associated with inflation, not the opposite, interest rate fallacy. As the recession develops, that's going to take some of the heat off of inflation and rates can go back toward normal. So massive levels of inversions, high level high probability of recession and hopefully that recession restoring some normality in the financial system with less inflation that is not what we have here we have nominal rates that are as inverted as they were in the 1970s and early 1980s but from a much much lower nominal level the highest rate now is just barely above five percent look at the near-term forward spread you look at some of the treasury bills where the inversion starts they're just barely above 5%, not double digits, 5%. And then they go way down from there. So you've got massive inversion from a, no, a low nominal level. And what that's saying is, yes, recession risk again. But rather than a recession risk, take a recession taking some heat out of inflation and pointing the financial system back toward normal, a recession at no, low nominal rates suggests that we're going to have more problems that lead us into a deflationary situation where interest rates overall are going to become even more abnormal than we are. The recession, or the, excuse me, the inversion is saying the market wants the interest rates to go even worse, even more abnormal down toward the zero lower bound, not the other way around. And it's not about inflation. It's the market saying something is going to push the economy back into the same deflationary, disinflationary, whatever you want to call it situation, as in the aftermath of the 2008-2009 monetary and global liquidity dollar crisis. 
That's what the inversions are telling us. Low level of nominal interest rates, massive recession, which doesn't get us toward normal, doesn't fix the inflation problem. It reintroduces and heightens the deflationary problem that we're seeing all over the place. The reason we're talking about these banks. It's not because Silicon Valley Bank was a bad bank. It was. It was bad. It was poorly run. But that poorly being poorly run was exposed by these other systemic pressures. First Republic Bank in the same general vicinity, same general issues. Yet we also have other identified problems, not just those banks, but other banks in the U.S. as well as around the world. Let's not forget about Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse was not run like Silicon Valley Bank, did not experience the same problems. And it was another sort of surprise, especially given that Credit Suisse had been a troubled bank for a very long period of time, which left us asking, why March? Why that particular point in time? So more questions than there are answers, especially for the public that is looking at all these things and saying, what is going on here? Among the, the systemic data that we do have, Provided by the Federal Reserve is the H-8 release. The H-8 release on commercial banking, uh, the assets and liabilities, the balance sheets of the U.S. commercial banking system. So just keep that in mind. This is just U.S. commercial banks. Doesn't tell us anything about foreign and offshore banks, which are probably probably uh, experiencing the similar, similar or same levels of trouble that we see in the commercial banking system in the United States. To start with, this is for the week of April 19th, so the week before we get to First Republic, the week where we saw lots of stuff going on in the marketplace, huge inversions and all that. Bank credit actually rebounded by $23 billion, but that was largely because of some lending, some securities that were purchased, uh, mostly other securities, which they don't really tell us much detail on that. So banks... Uh, bank credit still way, way down. It's down $269.2 billion since the middle of March. So really since Credit Suisse and forward, um, bank credit is way off. Lending is, as I said, up $15 billion the week of April 19th, but that is still $65.5 billion lower. And plus we have to factor in that loans were moving higher before Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse. So it's not just that we're 65, 65 billion lower than the middle of March. That's also 65 billion plus whatever's missing for the lack of loan growth that didn't happen. Cash assets actually rose 32.3 billion during what would have been the week before um, that compared to uh, banks paying back cash the week of April 12th by about 52 billion. Going back to March 15th, cash is only down by 103 billion, but keep in mind that the week of March 15th, bank cash skyrocketed by 403.6 billion, which refers to what the Fed was talking about in the Silicon Valley Bank report. Um, the Fed coming in and saying, we made we we limited the damage, we, we did a bunch of emergency programs, we opened up new tools, and that helped the banking system um, it kept it from being worse, as if that was the only problems that we are facing. On the liability side, on the liability side, deposits actually rose 21 billion in the week of uh, April 19th, compared to a 76 billion drop the week before. However, all of that and more was because of large time deposits. Other deposits actually declined. And really going back to the week of March 15th, deposits are still down another 230.6 billion. And uh, 
That's despite an inflow of 60.9 billion in large time deposits. So there are a few people out there that are willing to put uh, to lock up money and take advantage of high time deposit rates. But apart from those, the banking system is still struggling with its deposit liability. Borrowings actually fell only 2.2 billion, which means banks were not paying back a lot of their emergency loans, whether at the Federal Reserve, FHLB, or from private sources. Um, borrowings uh, are down only 65 billion since the middle of March. And keep in mind, the week of March 15th, borrowings went up by half a trillion. So again, banks holding on to huge piles of liquidity, holding on to huge, uh, huge access to emergency funding because unlike the Federal Reserve's SVB report, banks aren't all that sanguine about the liquidity environment in which they are attempting to operate, which brings us into the territory, the lessons of Bear Stearns. Um, a, couple, a couple other uh, minor details. Uh, banks borrowed a little bit more from their foreign offices, about $13.8 billion, billion to make up for the other deposit loss. And there's also another $44.8 billion rise in other liabilities, which I think uh, more relates, relates to derivative uh, transactions, so funding in that respect too. But as I said, overall, here we are getting toward the end of April, and the, the banking system, the data we get from the Federal Reserve on the banking system indicates that things are still incredibly fragile. And because of that, that's likely why First Republic is now a is now past tense. Its operations have been shut down. And right now the what's left what's left of First Republic, the carcass is being picked through by all the vultures who have been waiting for its failure, which raises another major question, maybe a systemic one. Why didn't anybody buy that bank before allowing it into receivership? Because I know the thing is, once a bank becomes troubled, it's easier just to let the thing fail and try to buy up the bargains. But when you're buying up the bargains, especially when the FDIC comes in and, and takes it over, you're left, you're left, um, you're left uh, competing with everyone else for the scraps that are the good scraps that are left inside of F First Republic Bank, like Silicon Valley Bank. But if First Republic had you know, a tremendous business. If there was really nothing but a poorly run, uh, not managing interest rate risk, there's nothing more than not managing the deposit outflows correctly. All the assets in First Republic's book were really good. Then it would have made sense to buy the bank, somebody who really wanted those assets at a discount to buy the shares before it got all the way to FDIC receivership. But like Signature Bank, like, First, uh, like Silicon Valley, we're left with the questions of what's going on in these bank books. And it's not U.S. Treasuries that are underwater because those are, those are going to come back. Those are money good assets. We're talking about other types of assets, maybe commercial real estate, maybe assets tied like Silicon Valley Bank and uh, First Republic to something going on specific with that part of the economy, Silicon Valley Bank. Whatever the, whatever the ultimate reason Again, we don't have a whole lot of answers here, which only raises further problems because when there aren't answers to these major types of questions, it leads to contagion. Because if we're left wondering what happened with First Republic or Silicon Valley Bank or Bear Stearns, we're also thinking maybe the same is going on with the person over here or the bank over there or the firm over there in Switzerland. There's more questions and answers without answers that's where you get look contagion. That's where you get the 
the yield curve and the near-term forward spread and three-month ter three term SOFR futures, all of these, uh, the German curves, all of these curves that are obscenely inverted, again, in ways that we, in, in, the, in the case of the German curve, ways we haven't ever seen before. In the case of the U.S. yield curve, we haven't seen since the 80s and 70s. This is not about inflation. It's not really necessarily about recession. It's about all the things that are happening, all the questions that are going unanswered that could potentially lead rates from getting further back away from normal, going away from normal, going further down towards zero again, because the situation is abnormal, deflationary abnormal. And as that situation develops, we're only going to have more and more fallout in the real economy, which is one thing, by the way, that the Federal Reserve gets right in its statement from Silicon Valley Bank um, by always pointing to the fact that contagion from the failure of SVB or First Republic or any of the other ones threatened the ability of a broader range of banks to provide financial services and access to credit for individuals, families, and businesses. Yep, that's the credit crunch that appears to be developing. That's what we see in the H8 data. That's what we see pointing even more so in these yield curves with inversions pointing toward rates going lower and becoming even more abnormal. That's what we see all over the place. So unlike the Fed's proclamation that SVB was all about SVB, nothing more, we saved the system from becoming even worse. There's a, everything else tells us that those things are not the case. We still have tremendous contagion risk. We still have tremendous deflationary money. We still have banks failing, even though that's not a necessary component of all of this other, all the other problems that are, that are just now spilling out into the open. Because as I said in the beginning, we go back to early March, and no one was talking about these banks or any banks. Everyone was talking about no landing and soft landing. Suddenly, we've now got all of these other things happening, and they don't appear to be stopping. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, a huge thank you, Eurodollar University members and Eurodollar, and Mark, Eurodollar University and Markets Insider Pro research subscribers. Until next time, take care.